Hello and welcome to this bonus episode, episode 223 of the Punter Podcast. I'm Chris Barnett. The four-day York Ebor Festival kicks off on Wednesday with the much-anticipated Judmont International Stakes, supported by the always exciting Great Voltager and Acom Stakes. Today we're joined by York Racecourse Chief Executive and Clerk of the Course, William Darby, and City AM Racing Editor, Bill Esdell, previews the best of Wednesday's racing action at York. But before we speak to Bill, let's hear from York Racecourse Chief Exec and Clerk of the Course, William Darby, who talks all about the Ebor Festival and the start of the meeting that's coming up on Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, Chris, it's the highlight of our year. It's our flagship race race meeting. It's the meeting where York Racecourse goes on a global stage. It's a, it's an ancient meeting. First race started racing here in 1731, so approaching 300 years of history, but a very modern feel to it with the best in thoroughbreds from around the world coming to compete over four magical days. You mentioned global, and that is the the big word at the moment, isn't it? Whirlpool are in town for the the first three days, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, offering York to a global market. And and the money that, that comes out of that, you reinvest. So how important is, is that connection for you? Yeah, it's really important on two th- fronts, really. First of all, that the people betting, pool betting at, at York and in Britain into the British pools uh, are, are betting into a global market with lots of different bet types and bigger pools, which give bigger value for for the the, the better. And that's it, really important for us and, and for people betting on our competitive racing. Uh, and a, a slice of that does return to the race course. And we've taken the decision to reinvest all that revenue that we get as a race course back into the prize fund, which filters throughout the, the racing industry to owners, trainers, jockeys, stable staff, and really a reward. So we'll be offering a record £6.4 million pounds of prize money this week. Mm. Over 28 races, no race less than £100,000 which is the joint highest of ever. That's the same as Royal Ascot. So, and a million pound Jumma International, our flagship race. So really well-endowed races, which attract the best horses and jockeys and, and make for really compelling competitive racing action on the Navesmark. Before we talk about the Judmont on the opening day, of course, apart from being chief executive, you're also clerk of the course. So just give us a little bit of an update as we, speak to you on on Monday morning how you're expecting the first couple of days at least to go ground wise yeah we're really pleased with where we are with the track we're currently good good to firm in places um it's a bright blue sky day on Monday morning the forecast is set fair until Wednesday the start of our meeting so it looks like we'll be on completely natural sort of a mixture of good and good firm for the first day probably good to good firm good in places by the time we get to racing on on wednesday um so we're really happy with the condition of the track it looks really well um the team have done a tremendous job and that really is our stage to stage the the best in racing we've got in store this week i know there are other courses royal ascot laura's goodwood that produce top and group one racing on the first day of their festivals and you do that as well 
and the Ebor Festival, don't you? We go straight into the Judmont International on the Wednesday. And we, last year we had Baid, we've had Mishrif, Japan, Roaring Lion, Postponed, all great horses win that. Australia also a winner. How important is it for you, do you think, to have Paddington show up, who's been absolutely phenomenal this season for Aidan O'Brien? Yeah, it's certainly our flagship race. It was a race in 2020, was the number one ranked race in the whole of the world. Um, similarly, in 2012, when, of course, Frankel memorably won won the race. Um, so, yeah, no, it, it's, it's a race we're really proud of. It brings together the best of the middle distance horses from each generation um, over this unique distance of a mile and a quarter. And and Paddington is a horse that's really taken the three-year-old generation by storm. He's won four Group One races so far, um, and coming for his fifth um, to on due to come on Wednesday. But he's taking on Chris a proper is a proper horse race because we got the best race from Royal Ascot, the Prince of Wales stakes winner Mustadaf, who's an older horse, um, taking him on. We've got a filly called Nashua who's who who's coming to take on the boys. Um, and and the foxes who won the Dante back in May here, the Albesti Equal Dante. So it's a real proper horse race for uh, for our for our best race of the season of the year. Um, and yes, we we start with the the absolute dri- dripping quality of the sa- of the Wednesday, and then the book end it with on the Saturday we've got the Skybet Ebor, which is a twenty two runner handicap, really competitive, the richest handicap in Britain. So it's that sort of juxtaposition of the quality on the first day and the brilliant handicap on the last day sort of seems to work well for the pattern of the week. How does the crowd sort of? How do you deal with that? With Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, which is the, the 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 biggest crowd day? Usually, I know you've got a train strike to possibly worry about this year, but you know which day normally stands out crowd wise. Yeah, we've we've had a good season so far. We've had our the last race meeting we raced in July was the biggest we'd had since two thousand and eighteen. We had a pro, um just over thirty five thousand people here for our last race day, um, and we're four percent ahead of our attendances this time to 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 twenty twenty two. But as you say, the the biggest day of the week is always Ebor Saturday, and and has a great big buzzy atmosphere. And that will be the biggest day of the week. The fly in the ointment, as you point out, is is the rail strike on on Saturday. Um, York is such a well-connected um, city to the rail network and loads of people do come by train. We're only a mile from the station and lots of people love the walk between the station and the race course. Um, so, so that is a pain that we got the train strike on Saturday. It will affect us on Saturday and it will affect Friday as people are sort of trying to make their bank holiday plans. So, but you know, that's what we've got to contend with. We, well, people are, race goers are really resourceful and York is a beautiful city to stay and have a mini break in. So, um, hopefully people will come and, and enjoy the great racing, the great atmosphere. There's loads going on around the course. It's a real festival feel. There's lots of music and fashion and, you know, skydivers and food and drink. And, and, you know, it's a really, it's a meeting that Northern race goers are hugely proud of and, and support hugely. And, um, the best of racing, uh, uh, hopefully a, a great facility, a great race course. And, and the weather looks fine for the start of the week for us all to enjoy. So that's the chief executive at York Racecourse, William Darby, talking ahead of the Ebor Festival. And he'll be joining us 
uh, every day this week to have a look at the day's racing and what it means to the race course. And, and Bill, who joins us now, we'll look back on Saturday in a moment, but, you know, he's, he's chief exec, he's also clerk of the course. And interesting to see, they seem to have nice weather, certainly for the early part of the week. And, and the ground there is what is good, good to firm as we record on Monday. You're expecting that to stay on the sort of firm side for the first couple of days at least. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's, he, he, he alluded to as much that it would be the far side of good um, and all natural, which is a key bit. So it's not watering, um, which is perfect. So it's good traditional summer fast ground. And, you know, they've they've got good to firm bits now. Monday, as we're calling this, they're, they're definitely going to be closer to good to firm on Wednesday. So uh, perfect. All set for a fast ground beginning of the Ebor meeting. As um, William also mentioned, Whirlpool and how important that that is that the money that they get from whirlpool for for this uh, first three days at least goes back into prize money so it's a real win-win for for york racecourse and and for whirlpool who are able to offer this globally yeah but brilliant racecourse york you know right up at the very very top of what what we offer as a as a product in, in british racing and great team um you know he's a terrific bloke and they, fun enough, the prize money is excellent. They actually deserve bigger sized fields. There's some small fields on the opening day. I have no explanation as to why that is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, four, five, and six runner fields for three of their biggest biggest races. I mean, the the international you're talking about, kind of 25 grand for finishing fifth in that. I, I don't know why somebody who's got a mile and a quarter horse wouldn't want to run it. And just just even if they're not on song just 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 finish fifth and pick up your 25 grand um but no great great team at york and you know anyone who's i mean aring over to where they to go racing um yeah if you're in the area or not even that close to the area make the trip because york is is, is as good as it gets yeah you're quite right it's a lovely lovely track brilliantly run by william uh, and his team up there and uh, they do deserve more in, in, in the big fields. We'll have a look at uh, Wednesday's racing in a few moments and get your preview uh, on the ITV races in particular. Uh, Whirlpool, as I say, are going to be there on Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, offering up their markets. Um, but before we, we do a quick look back to Saturday, uh, and you're at it again, aren't you? I know you, you keep telling me you're only as good as your, your last gig, but the last gig was pretty damn decent. Witch Hunter... Who you put up at twenty-five to one on Friday morning, came waltzing in uh, to win the, the major race at Newbury. I think he went up at twelves in the end. He said he'd stay on from the back. It did exactly as he expected him to do, and and Sean Levy, great ride for Hannon's second string. You know, it's, it's a lovely selection for you. No, it was nice. It, it was um, yeah, it was. It, Witch Hunter did it really well actually. He um, the race kind of uh, unfolded as I thought it. It would. Um, look, races more races than not unfold as you don't think they would. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, you know, it's not all roses. I, I read the Sim Wilfred completely wrong, and you ask yourself questions and you re look at the race back. Um, but the the Hungerford unfolded as I thought it would unfold, which is you know, I shouldn't say it's a rare thing, um, but it's always <laughs> rare when you read something right and um yeah he was good he was just overpriced at the price of the market kind of got it right late on as he shortened up 
Um, you know, and yes, there was a non-runner in there. We should should mention that um, Jumbi came out, um, but look, it was a, it was a nice selection, and um, yeah, let's try and keep it up. What about Summerhand? He nearly won, didn't he? I mean, honest to God, <laughs> that horse—I just can't believe it. <laughs> I know, and he's 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 off that mark. He's got a um, he's definitely got one of these valuable handicaps in him because he's just too effective and he's still operating at a high level and. You know he's going to be he's going to be competitive in the race like the Air Gold Cup which he won last year or whatever. He's going to come back and be very good in one of those, yeah. um, and it'd be good to see him win it. Yeah, amazing. We 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 picked him up beforehand. We thought the Grand Mako against him. I don't think they got as much rain as they thought, and it, he was able to fly home. Just missed out on the nod in a terrific race. So uh, great stuff. Well done on the weekend. Let's see what we can do for Wednesday on this Monday to get a bit of uh, more value in the bets. They start off at 150 at York on Wednesday with a handicap, a heritage handicap, over five and a half furlongs with 20 runners due to go to post. The likes of Manila Scouse is going to be popular, having won his last two races. He beat Get It and he beat Sheikh Maz Mahoud. He was behind Abarama Gold, who, of course, has come out and won twice, uh, uh, once again since that victory. Manila Scouts in great form for uh, local trainer Tim Easterby. Also local is uh, John Quinn, who's got JM Jungle, who's also won his last two at Haydock and at Goodwood as well, winning uh, the Whirlpool Handicap on the 3rd of August. Equilaterals in this one, Intrinsic Bond, Corker, Alligator Alley, good old Copper Knights in there as well, uh, and a few others. But Yorkshire Trainers they do very well at the Ebor Festival, and they could have a bit of a stranglehold on the opener. Yeah, could do, could do. This is the race that King of Stars was painfully beaten a nostril in twelve months ago. So um, I'm still receiving therapy over that. So uh, <laughs> this is this is a, one of those those races that um, um, I'm um, I was hoping to try and get King of Stars back to this season, but we'll have to wait for for next. And look, Jam Jungle's favourite. On the back of two really good runs, is a fast improving three year old. Three year olds don't have a great record in this. Um, he's also drawn high, which is where King of Stars was last year towards the stand side. Um, that wasn't the place to be 12 months ago. It probably isn't the place to be this time around again. Uh, I say that probably because you just, you know, you can make a fool of yourself saying which is, is and isn't the right side of the track to be drawn uh, against. Look, you've got two horses at the top, three and a four year old who are both on hat tricks. And, you know, Traditionally, these five furlong, five and a half furlong handicap sprints aren't won by horses on hat tricks um, because a handicapper tends to have a grip. But mm-hmm. um, I respect both of their um, their chances, but I would prefer to go elsewhere with my selections. Equilateral's a nice horse, soft top weight, uh, off a mark 105. This isn't easy for an eight-year-old, but grounds can be quick. The conditions have been his favour and he'll get a fast pace to run at. Um, <laughs> but I'm not sure... Uh, he he might have to be a Group One horse to, to try and win this off 100, 105, or Group Two horse at least. But he, he he shouldn't be far away. Certainly wouldn't put people off putting him in their kind of perms for a Quinella on the Whirlpool. Um, I am going to stay loyal with last year's winner Bergerac. Um, he's around twenty to one. Um, he is he, he's not in the same form he was twelve months ago. Um, best price twenty to one at the time of recording. He showed up enough with blinkers back on last time at Ascot, <coughs> where he led them down to the kind of halfway 
um, over five, the, the race that Intrinsic Bomb won. And then um, kind of Neil Cannon wasn't too busy on him um, once his chance had gone. And he's a bit better than his finishing position suggests that day. Um, the key is that he began this season off a mark of 97 and he's now off a mark of 90, which is actually below last year's winning mark. Um, and I think he's still obviously going to be effective off a mark of 90. Um, he's drawn low. I think that's the place to be. He was drawn right against the far rail last year. Um, there's plenty of speed around him. Uh, and that's the key. Looking at the some of the speed balls in here, Copper Knights drawn six. He's going to go forward. Uh, Intrinsic Bonds drawn five. That will go forward too. So um, I've got a feeling it'll be one over on the far side. And that's where I want to keep my kind of selection. So Bergerac, I'm going to have play each way at around 20s. Um, the other one I'm going to play is old friend Mondemege who's a bit of a cliff horse, but um, he's, I think he's just going to run really well here. My logic behind him is that he goes really well at York. He's also very effective on fast ground. And the first part of the season, this season at York, particularly his two really good runs, he was fourth to regional back in May on good to firm over five, running on late. And he was second to Chipstead over five at York on fast ground, running on late. That was when the ground was quick. And um, he was just touched off at Donny uh, in June behind Bond Chairman over five, flying late on. And then just when he's encountered slightly easier ground, his form has just dropped off a bit. He ran this race behind King of Stars last year, and everyone forgets that the rain had come. That's what blunted King of Stars a bit last year, is it was rain softened ground for the first race of the meeting. Uh, they had three or four mils overnight, and it just taken the sting out of the ground. Um, and he, he ran in the race last year. So he beaten four lengths or four and a half lengths, but he ran off a mark of 103. And here we are 12 months on. He's operating at nine pounds lower off, off a mark of 94. I just think he's shaped to run really well. Uh, he's 20 to one as well. Um, 21 with Paddy Power, 21 uh, with Betfair. I think he'll be 21 across the boards um, come Wednesday anyway. But I think he's just a horse that's going to run well. So I'm going to play both of those two as singles at big prices. I'm going to play uh, Mondemege at 20s. Um, kind of each way in, in, in the sports books I think, uh, and Bergerac each way 20s each way with the sports books and then from a Cornella point of view I'll probably throw those two in you've got to throw a big Hail Mary at this kind of meeting you might as well um, and I'll probably put them in a Cornella with Intrinsic Bond who I think is in, in, uh, in, in good form and just going to shape and run well and then I'd probably throw um, Equilateral in too um, just his class and the fact that he'll get his fast ground um, and play those four in a Cronella, but the main main selections being those two big price ones. And just a word on Corker, who I quite like here, this two horse, who seemed to have sorted out his, his slow starts. He was getting left behind, wasn't he? And he's been second a couple of times recently. He's drawn low in seven. Carberg does normally quite well. Did you think he had a chance? Yeah, definitely. He was was definitely one for the shortlist. I mean, um, he was. I was. I mean, are you ever whether to go with him or equilateral? So I, I, I'm certainly not against um, Corker. Um, my my main feeling with with him is that you know he the handicap has kind of got a grip of him really around mm -hmm. 102, 103. Um, he's run really well the last twice. But he's just bumped into one, that, and this just feels like a deeper race, and he couldn't get the job done at Sandown. That's my only rational behind opposing Corker, but I think he'll run well. He's got York form. I think the step up in Trippy under one really good run over five and a half here a couple of years ago, um, and hasn't really been tested over the trip since. So I, I certainly wouldn't be 
putting you off corker and it's one of those races where you know you can have yeah. two darts two darts and actually maybe make a fool of yourself but um history books tell me that if you're picking two at the the, the bottom end of the market at 20s and stuff it's probably the way to play um this kind of race okay that's the opener then wednesday at york at 225 the tattersall's acom stakes is a group three over seven furlongs and as you alluded to earlier on bill only six and going to post for this group three, it's worth £165,000 as well. 93 and a half to the winner, incredible, really. Uh, and Ballymore Boy is going to be popular because he was a length behind Van Dijk for Adrian Keatley, and Van Dijk won and won in France over on, on the weekend. He's had three starts, uh, has Ballymont Boy, and Jason Hart's on board. Uh, cogitates in there for Charlie Hills, Will Buick. Uh, only one run, once over seven furlongs at Newbury on good going. Loose Cannon had one run. He was a short head winner. Uh, and he's got a tongue tail on for William Haggis and Tom Marquand. Loose Cannon, the six horse, Indian run, Edwardian and Hot Fuss complete the lineup. Does that uh, form on the weekend give Ballymount Boy a bit of an edge here? He's still going to be three to one the field. Certainly at the moment, it's decent prices if you really fancy one. Yeah, I, I bite your arm off for threes about Pally Manboy. I think he's, I really like him actually. He's recently been bought actually. He's been um, bought by those Wathman Racing um, team, and yeah, he was he was he ran really well at Goodwood, as you said, and that form was boosted with Van Dijk winning a Group One uh, on the weekend. Um, but previously shown, um, he was a two-year-old going the right place he was he was green as grass first time up at newcastle and just got beaten um and then the penny dropped quite late at hamilton he still managed to kind of pull victory out of out of the bag um it was very bad ground at goodwood so that was probably not in his favor you know i can see people suggesting whether he'd be as effective on fast ground there's no reason to think he wasn't his dad um camacho was a very effective horse for henry cecil who if memory serves me correct but very close to winning the jersey when it's run at york so fast ground seven furlongs york form is should be in his dna um uh, he carries a penalty um sorry doesn't carry a penalty here because um he didn't didn't win that race which kind of plays to his strengths because he's he's meeting a inexperienced crop um in 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 here it's 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 a, a weaker acre than you'd expect um cogitate you always got to respect charlie hills is two-year-olds and he had the one run and got the job done very well uh at newbury probably is his biggest danger um stamina is the only probably issue with belly mount boy whether he definitely stays but there's no reason to to think he ran all the way he was closing in on van deek over six at goodwood and certainly wasn't stopping so there's no reason to think that he won't um he won't be effective over the trip. Um, Aidan O'Brien was had, had the anti-post favourite who doesn't run, and he runs Edwardian um, in his place, who's a who's a son of No Name Ever, um, who's only running two races over five furlongs and takes a big step up in um, trip and class here. Um, won well at Nace, but you know you're questioning how good that form is. But you've got to respect anything that Aidan sends over, but. Um, I'm not sure, so sure he's right out the top pecking order at, at Ballydoyle. Um, so look, I, I, I think it, it surrounds the top two. I'd be pretty confident that Bally Boy is the one to be with here. He would be my main selection. And from a Quinella point of view, I think it's him and Cogitate. I think they'll fit, finish first and second. And um, yeah, it's a race to look forward to. But yeah, Bally Boy to um, 
to prove he was a wise purchase. Yeah, the uh, Wathnam Racing, they've also got uh, a decent chance in the next as well, the three o'clock, the Skybet Great Voltager. This is the Group 2, only five in this, over a mile and a half. And they've got Gregory, who's unbeaten for the Godstons. Frankie on board, he's won at Haydock Goodwood, and, of course, at uh, Royal Ascot as well, winning the Group 2 Queen's Vars. Aiden brings over Continuous, who hasn't won since September of last year, when winning uh, over in France, I think, yeah, over at Saint-Claude, and won at the car as well. But since then, not a win for the, that one. He's a three-year-old as well. Of course, Castleway goes for Godolphin and Charlie Appleby. He's won three in a row now, all at Newmarket. Artistic stars in there for Rafe Beckett. And the Jeff Smith colours in Canberra legend is the big outsider here of the five. Only a small field, bit disappointing, as you say. But uh, Gregory, he, he looks a really nice horse. He's the son of Golden Horn, who uh, John Gosden trained as well. So you know all about this one. Yeah, nice, nice horse who, who won the Queen's Vars at Royal Ascot last time we saw him. Um for Frankie, he was on that big day for Frankie. Um, he was well back that day. I wanted to take him on um, that day. I was keen on on Chesapeake, who finished third to him. And Gregory was good. He just looked a bit of a relentless galloper. Um, <clears throat> you know, he kind of took control of the race, grabbed it by the scruff of his neck, and then quickened away from them. And it looked like St. George was going to come and wear him down. Then he just pulled out a bit more. Um, takes the drop in trip here. Um, whether he's screaming out for that drop-in trip, I'm not so sure. Um, if I'm honest, I wanted to take Gregory on all, all in, the, in the three or four days leading up to to previewing these races. I mean, looking at this race, and it just didn't want to be with him with a penalty, um, primarily because I didn't want the drop-in trip. Um, I feel there's question marks about the form now. Klondike, who he beat at Goodwood, um, two starts back, was pretty woeful on the weekend. And I just felt there were enough holes in his form to warrant taking him on. But you've got to take him on with something you think can beat him. And that's where I'm scratching my head a bit because he takes on Continuous from from Bally Doyle, who was fine, who's, who was a good kind of third at York here um, in the Dante, two starts back. And Obviously, it was a no-show in the French derby, but, you know, it was kind of putting his play step up in trip behind King of Steel. Um, you know, he kind of kept on that day, but was no real real match for King of Steel. Um, it's a fairly solid bit of form for Continuous. Um, he looks the obvious danger. Castle Way is, is on a winning run, but it just doesn't, it seems below this level. Um, and Canberra Legend still has a bit to answer, and whether artistic staff fully sees out the trip, I don't know. Um, it looks to be Gregory continuous. Um, prices wise, I, I thought there'd be a, a bigger gap. I was hoping a bigger gap. It's kind of 11 to 8 Gregory and 5 to 2 continuous. I will go with continuous just on value grounds. Um, wouldn't be the strongest of selections. I think he's fairly smart. We know he's effective at York. He's getting three pounds from a winner. I don't think there'll be much between them. Um, I think he's probably the play, but I think it's between those two from a Quinella point of view. I think they'll finish first and second. But they'll probably play continuous just on, on value grounds. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 3.35 is the feature race. Uh, for many of the week, or it has been over the years, with some terrific winners, as uh, William mentioned uh, when we spoke to 
him from the York Racecourse earlier on. It is the Judmont International Stakes, the Group 1 part of the British Champion Series over the extended mile and a quarter. And only four are going to turn up for this one at the moment. Our favourite, Paddington, who's going to be long odds on, I thought, four to seven, maybe even four to six in the place at the moment, taking on Mostadav for the Gosdens and Shadwell with Frankie on board, beat Luxembourg at uh, Royal Ascot and the Prince of Wales, a group one on that occasion. But you think Paddington's a lot better than Luxembourg for the O'Briens, they would know. Nashua, I don't know, didn't uh, seem to go that well in the, in the Nassau stakes in the end, but Al Husson at Glorious Goodwood on, on soft going. And uh, I'm not sure, a mile and a quarter may be the best trip for her these days. And we've also got the Foxes in there as well for Andrew Balding, who's going to be a double-figure price. Surprised that only four have turned up, as you said. It's a shame, isn't it? But we do get to see Paddington again, at least. Yeah, we get to see good old old Paddington. He's been kept busy, who, um, you know, he's having his um, seventh race of the season. Um yeah, one or one or six. He's a kind of winning machine that keeps on rolling. Why? Why not give it a go? Um, it's a shame. It's only the four runners. I mean, he he's taking on something different here, Pannington, in Mosterdef, who is the older horse again. Uh, very effective over this this mile and a quarter trip. Doesn't see out mile and a half. Um, was brilliant on the turf in Saudi. Um, didn't see out mile and a half for Maidan. It was really good when he won the Prince of Wales. Um, be a good field that, you know, with Luxembourg and AR and just took over at two out and then everyone thought he'd get reeled in. He didn't. Um, very effective on on, on fast ground. Uh, lots to like about him. First trip to York, so we don't know whether he'll be as effective here, but there's no reason to suggest he won't be. Um, but Paddington... Um, Paddington was was really good at, at Goodwood and saw saw off his elders there, Aldari, um, Innsbruck, who's obviously been out and won a group one since. Um, Crown was very bad, and um, he had to work pretty hard to to see off Factor Cheval. Um, Paddington kind of um, took it out with a took it up with a kind of furlong or so to go, and was brave and kind of toughed it out a bit. Um, look, it's it's. It's a muddling race. It's probably not a betting race. I know it sounds a bit of a kind of cop-out thing to say. It's probably a race just to sit and watch because there isn't um, there isn't um, much juice in either of the prices. You know, for the for the real pros, do you want to take four to six Pannington? Yeah, I, I can think of better four to six chances, primarily because he's had a hard race and he's back on fast ground over a mile and a quarter against talented older horse. That that worries me. But the same question comes to Mosterdef. Do you want to take nine to four Mosterdef taking on the best three we've seen for years? You know that's mm-hmm. that's that's what they they kind of cancel each other out. Um, I think from a from a kind of betting perspective, I probably probably do something a bit crazy here. I I, I probably back the foxes at twenties, um, and you'll think I'm absolutely mad for doing that. But he is a horse who. Um, his best race of his life came here at York uh, when he won the Dante. Didn't see out a mile and a half and loves rattling fast ground. Should have won at Belmont last time. Was just given too much to do. Um, he's going to sit and be held up um, and will sit in behind the big two who might get racing earlier than they want. 
Um, I've just got a feeling that Frankie might try and nick it from the front on Mossadegh and try and draw the sting out of Paddington because, um, you know, Mossadegh definitely stays a mile and three and um, he won't want to just sit there and be a sitting duck. And if Paddington gets to him early, they might get racing a long way from home. Mm-hmm. And York is one of these <laughs> funny tracks where you can sit and wait. And um, I'm not saying he's in the same class as these, but he's the other three-year-old. And for me, you sometimes have to look at it with a clean sheet and say, yes, Paddington, their, their careers have gone in different directions, Paddington and the Foxes. But at the beginning of the season, there were there wasn't the discrepancy between the two. And in a duel, does, is one four to six and the other 20? Look, they're probably not. They should be a tiny bit closer. Um, the Foxes should be closer to him. I think he's a effective, talented horse. Um, is he in the same class? Probably not. But I'd probably have a small bet on the Foxes at 20s um, and give the race a watch. And when Paddington and Mostachev draw clear, you can say, oh, that Pillow's Dell is no good. He's a terrible tipster. <laughs> um, but no, I'd, I'd actually play the Foxes. I think he's not as far off these as they think. Um, and at 20 to 1, I just think he's overpriced in a full runner race. I think Nashville might be too keen in a full runner race like this. And I just thought that the Foxes might just be something a bit different and i could see him potentially splitting the big guns um mm. but i think it's a, it's a it's a, a proper good race to look forward to but yeah the foxes is just on valley grounds at 20s is too big a price one thing the sheen won't be doing is waiting on the foxes because he waited at, uh, in america uh, on the 8th of july and just didn't get there by a length in the end and i imagine he was kicking himself afterwards because he probably could have gone and won that race but it just didn't work out at belmont so Maybe he'll get running a bit earlier than than we think. Well, the interesting thing about there is he made up a lot of ground very quickly. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen the kind of sectionals there, but he made up a lot of ground very late and fast. And you know, if if this turns into a tactical affair, which I don't think it will, um, his 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 speed may play to play play to play him into it. I just, you know, the the, the younger horses, the three year olds, get a fair chunk of weight from the elders. You know, seven pounds this time of year is a, it's quite a big swing in their in their. Um, in their direction and and that's why um um you know you can see see the reason that um the, the favorite is as short as he is because you know three-year-olds at this time of year getting seven pounds you know the history books tells you over 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 a period of time that i know it's been been the fodder for older horses in recent years but you go back and think of like kind of japan and roaring lion and um, the Raving Queen won it when she, when she was three. That a massive prize in Australia won it. You know, the, the three-year-olds get enough weight to bring him right into it, and and you yeah. just got a slightly forgotten three-year-old in there who could easily easily um, create a bit of a shock. And York's one of those tracks where you can just get the odd funny result. And I think the Foxes is overpriced. Okay, that's the Judmont International feature race on the Wednesday at York at ten past four. It's on ITV as well final race of the day on the TV. Two miles and a half a furlong for the Skybet Stayers Handicap with 14 going to post and some tasty prices. They're going to go about 5-1 to one the field at this stage at least. But Robert Johnson's in there for Philip Kirby and Connor Beasley on the back of a win at York two runs ago. Also one at Musselburgh and Thirst before finishing second at Goodwood in the Handicap on the 4th of August. Aztec Empire Sheen will be in a great mood if he's won on the Foxes half an hour earlier. So will Andrew Balding. Uh, they got this one behind Sweet William at Newbury. 
Sweet William currently favourite for the Ebor on Saturday, should they choose to uh, go with that. Grappa Nonino comes over from Ireland for Dermot Weld, and the very much informed Safi Osborne rides here for the first time on this horse. That's a great call up for her, but she has been doing well. You can see why. And we've got others in there as well in a, a busy looking handicap. Um, again, those at the top of the market are in good form, which means that they're much higher than they were earlier on. Robert Johnson is 83. He's gone up a few pounds, but he did have a claimer on board last time as well. So even higher in the weights on Wednesday. Yeah, it's good, good, good little contest this, and um, yeah, there's the the market is is kind of immature as it currently stands. Uh, you've got Aztec Empire at the top around sixes for the bowling team being being consistent. Uh, Chase Time, Sweet William, and then ran ran in the Northumberland Plate before that. So so bits and pieces of of, of decent form which warrant favoritism. And Robert Robert Johnson, like you said, has has been in. In good nick and was uh, only found temporised too good in the mud at Goodwood last time. Um, versatile with trip, but just the, the handicapper keeps shoveling on the coal, and you just got a feeling that again, it's life's just a bit tougher now. Um, he's up to a mark of eighty-three. Um, really good race. I, I, I'm going to have um, two goes here. The first one for me would be Tronador, um, who's ten to one across the boards. Uh, for Gordon Elliott uh, was a selection at Goodwood uh, when way out of his ground Joe, Joe Fanning would like that ride back I would have thought gave um, Trondor far too much to do I think um, I understand the logic behind the fact that Temporize looked like it was going to come back and Tronador was um, given a fair bit to do ran on um, but all a little bit too late ran on into third um, runs here off the same mark, 79. Um, <laughs> just eight stone, 10 in the saddle. Uh, bound to run well again. Um, I think the decent, the better ground will help. It was much more effective uh, with better ground. And um, I think the two miles, he can be ridden with a bit more confidence. I think he was ridden to try and get the trip last time on the flat. Um, I think it, over, over two miles, um, he'll be pretty um, effective and run well. I thought 10 to 1 was a big price him. Um, <laughs> the other one I think will run well is the max we can um, for Charlie Johnson, uh, Jamie Spencer, a horse with a trio of duck eggs next to his name. Um, but the key is the handicap mark. He's back down to a mark of 90 now. Um, was very effective um, kind of this time last year um, on the one big day. Ran at Goodwood, showed, showed nothing. Um, behind Trawlham at over a mile of six, and then bounced back and won at one at the Shelgar Cup, meeting off a mark of 92, uh, which was a really good run with Jamie Spencer in the saddle. And Jamie Spencer's back on board now, off a mark of 90, effective over fast ground, stable in better form now, um, around 14, 16 to one. No reason that one won't run its race. Um, I think can go well um, at a big price. Um, that's the kind of the way I play it. I think you get upsets at York and it's trying to preempt those upsets. So from a single point of view, I play Tronador uh, at tens and the max we can each way at sixteens. And from a whirlpool Quinella point of view, um, I would shove those two in a Quinella <laughs> and I'd probably be tempted to shove Ryan Moore's Mount Zanabad. Uh, he's got no form whatsoever uh, of late, but Ryan Moore takes us at the ride for Tony Martin, which is kind of a, <laughs> a reason to want to be with him anyway uh, yeah. um, but has some flat form 
uh, backdated platform that probably means a mark of 94 might be effective. And I imagine this had been the plan for a bit for Pete Davis. Uh, but great to see good man Pete Davis. Great to see him have a winner at York. Um, but I would play those three in a Cronella. But yeah, the main, the main selections there being the Max We Can and Tronador each way. Okay, well, they're the five races on ITV on Wednesday. There are two more, 4.45 and 5.20, a five furlong and a six furlong race. Uh, they're both uh, Whirlpool races as well. So, Bill, uh, anything to look out for from the Whirlpool aspect in the last two races on Wednesday? Yeah, last two races. I mean, the, the penultimate race, the um, the five furlong um, Phillies handicap looks absolutely impossible. Um, the prices are, are starting to come through, so you, you get a feel for the immature market. Pinafore is going to be favourite um, for the Haggis team that we just, just know are worth being on side with uh, this meeting was an impressive winner over six um last time at nottingham um whether whether she's crying out for a drop to five i don't know but um i certainly wouldn't be in a hurry to take a very short price about her at 72 she seems plenty skinny enough um i thought designer was the the one i wanted to kind of be with here um Fourth, uh, Lord Ridderford um, at Goodwood last time when denied a clear run, proper eye catcher that day. Um, got to prove as uh, equally effective uh, on fastest ground, but had a good run at, at um, Royal Meeting last year behind Latin Lover and Nymphadoria. Um, designer was sixth that day, um, keeping on well over five. I thought Designer was just set to run well. William Buick riding for John Butler. Um, the older horse there. Um, whether she's the right side, she's at four, trap 14, so she's nearest the stand side. Whether that's the place to be or not, I don't know. Um, but I thought designer was the, the main one for me at around five, six to one. And from a from a Cornella point of view, maybe look at look at um, um, Kimmy Grace with Ryan Moore. Um, that's a horse who um, I think will run well is for Richard Hughes is just beginning to come back to form. But no, the main interest there was designer. Um, and in the last race, a really um, wide open looking nursery. Um, there's one here. I'm just looking at the prices now. <clears throat> um, they've only just started to come through, but everyone has priced this race up. There's um, an old friend of ours who I cannot believe the price. Um, I thought it would be nearer favoritism and Bob Slay is 25 to one with <laughs> William Hill and 25 to one with Coral. Um, at the time of recording at lunchtime here on, on Monday, I'd be amazed if Bob Slay goes off that price. Um, top weight here in, in the nursery back on fast ground for Eve Johnson Horton. Look, it's a tough ask off a mark of 101 with top weight, but um, was fifth to Van Dyke last time uh, over six in the mud. Uh, uh, Goodwood, that wouldn't have been his bag. And then previously, this is a horse who finished sixth in a Coventry, having won the Woodcut uh, on Epsom on Derby Day, and just everything happened a bit too quick over five furlongs behind Relief Lorelli, only beaten five lengths in the Super Sprint. Um, I couldn't believe um, 25 to 1 is available about Bob Slay, um, drawn trap 13. So, again, the caveats over whether that's the place to be, but I can see Bobsley um, going off half that price. I think he'll run really well, um, if not shorter, to be honest. Um, and from a Quinella point of view, I play Bobsley um, with Starlust, um, who's obviously going to be well found in the market. Um, I think there's a horse um, who is in good nick, Ryan Moore, riding for Rafe Beckett, 
was a close up second at Goodwood, so comes in here off off really good good form. And the other one was Kevin Ryan's runner Jungle Mate, um, the gelding, um, was a good second at base uh, last time. And um, yeah, I can see that one going well. But yeah, I play those three in Equinella. So Star Lost, uh, Jungle Mate, the main fancy being each way play on bobsled at 25s. Thanks, Bill. Good luck with those selections. And of course, thanks to our special guest today, William Darby from York Racecourse. That's all from us today. We'll be back with another edition for Thursday's Racing Ladies' Day on the Knavesmire at York. So look out for the Thursday bonus episode coming up this week. Don't forget to visit the City AM website for all the latest news and horse racing tips. And you can follow the podcast on Apple Tunes, Spotify, Amazon Music and Stitcher to get the latest episodes as soon as they're released. We'll see you again for Thursday's action. Bye for now. Bye for now.